Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. But we do have an outstanding guest joining us. And speaking of tech, uh, space flight, to be specific, Stephen Clark joins us from Iris Technica. Uh, Stephen, good to visit with you. I hope you're doing well. Same to you, Steve. Happy to join you again. Yeah, good good to visit, and uh, let's get up to date on, on some things we generally don't talk about because uh, when, when we do visit, we talk a lot about what SpaceX is up to or maybe what uh, the Chinese are up to or what's going on with the Artemis program, et cetera. You know, the, the big, big stories when it comes to space flight and particularly human space flight. But, but I did want to get to what's happening with robotic missions, particularly Mars, and it looks as though uh, the, the Ingenuity helicopter that was taking brief flights on Mars will fly no more. That's right, Steve. This was uh, the first uh, airborne flying robot to ever explore another planet named Ingenuity. It flew to Mars um, with the Perseverance rover that NASA sent uh, to the Red Planet back in 2021. And it was originally um, only supposed to fly five times. It was supposed to be a proof of concept that uh, a rotorcraft, uh, a small 
helicopter drone, basically. It's about the size of a small suitcase. Um, could fly you know, on another planet. And it succeeded in that in a big way. In fact, it completed more than 70 flights over the course of its uh, career. NASA just kept it going. And it actually transformed from this uh, experiment that may or may not work into a robot that was conducting science and was actually helping uh, the navigators back on Earth plot a course for the Perseverance rover as it drove across the Martian surface uh, kind of as a scout. So uh, a, a, really, uh, a really big success story for NASA and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory out in California that developed this uh, Ingenuity helicopter drone. And in fact, uh, it was so successful that this is going to become kind of a more standard part of NASA's robotic exploration strategy going forward. They're already planning more drones, more of these uh, similar flying uh, helicopters that will go to Mars uh, perhaps later in the 2020s. There's a similar one that's uh, right now being developed to fly uh, in the atmosphere of uh, one of Saturn's moons named Titan uh, in uh, the early 2030s. And this is kind of opening up a new domain of exploration for uh, NASA. You know, NASA, in the history of robotic exploration of the solar system, uh, sent out spacecraft to fly by planets, then orbit planets, and then land on planets. And now there's a new domain of exploration that Ingenuity has opened up uh, to uh, fly in the atmospheres of other planets like Mars or, or Titan, which is the size of a planet, uh, one of the moons of Saturn. And uh, what, you know, what happened to, to kill off Ingenuity in the end was it kind of landed off the balance and actually broke one of its rotors uh, a few weeks ago uh, during one of its flight, during its last flight. And it's uh, still alive, still sending back telemetry and data, but it's uh, unable to fly again. Yeah, and Stephen, this this is huge. Whenever humans, and I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime, it remains to be seen, that that humans will set foot on Mars. And having this capability is, is huge in, in aiding humans because, well, let's face it, we, we found that out on Earth a long, long time ago, that, that flying machines help you cover a lot of ground in, in the fact with high-res photography, et cetera, and other instruments, you, you can get a lot more work done if you have a capable uh, flying machine drone, if you will, doing some of this work. Exactly right, Steve. I think one of the first applications will be kind of as a robot, robot scout for future rovers and eventually humans on Mars and other, right. other worlds and uh, to find out what's over the next ridge, basically, you know, what's over that hill. Do we need to go over there? Is there something worth going, or should we, you know, drive or or, or uh, navigate the, another direction to to find some resources or scientific target or whatever they're looking for? And uh, you know, it certainly will make the exploration of other planets a thing more efficient in the end. And uh, you know, one of the big technical um, uncertainties going into this Ingenuity uh, drone. And by the way, the Ingenuity, the entire Ingenuity. Drone only call only quote unquote cost fifteen million dollars to develop build and develop and, and get to Mars, and that's that's chump change by NASA standards. The rover uh, that took it there that you know at least in the public eye um, Ingenuity outshined in many ways <laughs> cost two billion dollars to get right. to Mars. And, uh, the the Ingenuity itself this helicopter cost fifteen million, so just just a, a orders of magnitude difference in in scale there. And, and cost. 
So it was a really shining success for, for NASA. And one thing that was, you know, going into this experiment, getting it to Mars, was can it fly in the atmosphere of Mars? Because the atmosphere of Mars is uh, 1% the density of Earth's atmosphere at sea level. So if your listeners are familiar with helicopters, they can't fly above a certain altitude because the air is too thin. Uh, and the air, the air density on the surface of Mars is equivalent to something like 100,000 feet or even higher in Earth's atmosphere. So having a, an aircraft flying in such uh, a rarefied air, low-density air, and still being able, being able to generate lift and operate is a huge, huge uh, technical accomplishment. Yeah, really cool stuff. By the way, Japan has made it to the moon. That That's another very interesting story when it comes to unmanned space flight, if you will, and and it, it didn't go as planned, but still quite an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, it's a little robot that could. Uh, uh, Japanese, the Japan uh, SLIM mission, the small lander for investigating the moon, really, uh, you know, it landed on the moon a few weeks ago and basically tipped over and landed nose first in the end, uh, kind of face-planted onto the moon gently, so it survived the landing and returned photos and uh, some data from the lunar surface. And, but it was an intact landing, even though it didn't quite go according to plan, and it was returning data from the lunar surface. So that makes Japan the fifth nation to achieve a soft landing on the moon after the U.S., uh, Soviet Union, slash Russia, China, and India. So now Japan is number five in that uh, list of countries to uh, make that achievement. And notably about this mission, uh, one of its main goals that it succeeded in was uh, a precise landing on the moon. And it actually landed within – it was the most precise landing that anyone has ever accomplished on the moon, even including the Apollo missions with uh, astronauts on board. It landed within about 150 to 200 feet of its target. Uh, so that really um, – you know, when NASA or uh, its international partners, including Japan, talk about building a moon base, precise landings on the moon to uh, deliver – crew or supplies to a moon base will be required, and uh, Japan has demonstrated that technology now. Stephen Clark joining us from Ars Technica and uh, courtesy of the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline here on this Saturday. Once again, no attack talk today. Uh, Doug not feeling well, and we hope he can return to the airwaves soon with Tech Talk, normally on the air between 3 and 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, sports schedules permitting uh steven here is another tidbit and folks may have missed it going back in time as uh uh pegged spacex and boeing uh to build commercial crew capability to ferry crews back and forth to the international space station a uh, cargo right. and crew and we know spacex has done a lot of that they've had a lot of success with falcon 9 and their dragon capsule it has been much more difficult for Boeing to get their Starliner up and running. And it looks as though at some point this spring, uh, Starliner may fly with human crew. That's right, Steve. It looks like that is uh, looking like it could happen in the April, mid-April time frame. Uh, but, Steve, we've been here before with Starliner being a few months away yeah. from where we think they're on the cusp of uh, Boeing launching astronauts uh, finally to the space station to give uh, NASA and the U.S. a second uh, provider for uh, astronaut launches to uh, low Earth orbit. And we thought we were here about a year ago, a few months from a flight with astronauts, but um, 
there were some parachute issues that Boeing and NASA uncovered with the Starliner. It's supposed to land under parachutes out in the desert in New Mexico at the end of each mission. And there were some issues that were uncovered with the parachutes. They also did a review of all the materials that are inside the spacecraft and actually found a flammable tape that had been used to bind up some of the wiring harnesses inside the spacecraft. And obviously that is a huge safety risk. It's almost unfathomable how that escaped uh, detection by Boeing and NASA engineers until very, very close to the flight. They actually had to rip out all of that tape. Um, It was several, many pounds of tape, actually, in in a cumulative sense of how much they took out and replaced it with a non-flammable tape to uh, meet the specifications for safety. So they've removed all that tape. They've cycled out all that tape. And they have also uh, recently, uh, uh, within the last month or so, conducted a parachute test uh, to uh, verify a change to the parachute design. And all signs uh, look favorable right now for Starliner to launch from Cape Canaveral in April uh, with two astronauts heading up to the International Space Station. And uh, that we'll see if that uh, comes to pass. But right now, that seems to be the schedule, just maybe two and a half months away. That'll be a short-duration test flight. If that's successful, then Boeing will enter the rotation with SpaceX. They'll alternate back and forth uh, for long-duration astronaut flights, uh, six months up to the ISS. And and it's mind-boggling considering one of the great tragedies in the human spaceflight era is is the fire in Apollo 1. Exactly. exactly. That's... You know, how, how that escaped yeah. uh, detection by Boeing and NASA is really a, a head-scratcher to me because uh, this spacecraft has been in development at this point for about 14 years, uh, since 2010. And, uh, you know, they've been designing it and building it and testing it throughout all that time. They've uncovered uh, myriad issues with software and, uh, and also um, uh, software and also the, the parachute issue. And something as simple as flammable tape uh, appeared to have yeah. um, escaped attention until, you know, they were they were planning to launch, I think, last August, last July, last August 2022. And they didn't uncover this tape issue until like May, a couple of months before they were supposed to fly. So that grounded the program until this year. Yeah. Uh, and, and for Boeing, big picture, uh, people are familiar with the problems with the 737 MAX. Uh, the the fatal crashes the the door that blew out etc. I I don't know if we can emphasize enough how important the Starliner and a successful Starliner test is not only for that particular program but for the company as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I think it's important to take a step back and look at everything that Boeing is doing and you know the. Starliner program has been hamstrung by these issues. It's running five years late at this point. It was supposed to fly astronauts in the 2019 timeframe, as was SpaceX. SpaceX launched in 2020. Boeing still hasn't launched astronauts. Uh, You mentioned the 737 MAX, uh, the two crashes a few years ago that uh, killed uh, several hundred people. That was caused by uh, an oversight uh, by Boeing. Uh, And then more recently, the door that came off the 737, also a quality control issue that has been attributed to Boeing. And, uh, you know, Boeing also um, has built the core stage for the space launch system, which is NASA's giant moon rocket, part of the Artemis program to carry uh, astronauts back to the moon. Uh, that core stage flew 
perfectly by all accounts a few years ago, 2022 now, a little over a year ago, and on the first flight of the SLS rocket. And But the core stage is cost prohibitive, really, for, for any sustained uh, program to explore the moon. Cost, uh, you know, the core stage alone costs over a billion dollars per flight, and uh, that was delayed also several years, the, the right. SLS uh, rocket. And all those delays from, like, 2017 to 2022, five-year delay, pretty much all stemmed from the core stage, which was a Boeing product. Quick break. We'll have more with Stephen Clark in a moment from Ars Technica. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about, uh, you know, always one of the big stories, and that's what's going on with SpaceX. They had a rare double launch, one in Florida, one out in California. That was pretty cool. Uh, we'll get into that. And then, once again, one of my favorite topics, when will Starship fly again? Uh, we'll, we'll get into that with Stephen in a moment here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. We continue with Stephen Clark. He covers space flight for Ars Technica, and he's joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, Stephen, always good to visit with you. SpaceX, they have a very busy schedule year planned, and they're off to a roaring start. As now we move into February, they they had that double launch of uh, Starlink satellites, and, and I also think some other hardware for another customer, and that was in Florida and California. So, I mean, they, they they really have a robust schedule planned this year. Exactly right. They've launched uh, already 10 times just in the month of January. So uh, they are targeting uh, between 140 and 150 launches uh, this year. Last year they ended up, uh, I think, 98 launches. My memory serves maybe 99, yeah. just shy of 100 uh, they're going to try to increase that by about 50% this year, and they're uh, off to a good start. Uh, Ten missions in the first month of the year, and they said they're going. They're doing some modifications to some of their processes and upgrading some launch facilities down in Florida and in California. So throughout the year, the actual launch rate will steadily increase uh, toward the end of the year. So. Uh, Ten launches in a month is a great start to get to that 140 to 150 milestone, and. Just in the first month of the year, they've launched um, uh, over 100 Starlink satellites. They have launched a crew to the space station. They've launched cargo to the space station for uh, Northrop Grumman, uh, which is actually one of their competitors. Northrop Grumman's rocket uh, is uh, now been retired. So in, for the foreseeable future, the next couple of years, they're going to be launching Northrop Grumman cargo missions to the space station on SpaceX rockets. So that's another example of SpaceX at the service of one of its rivals. We've seen that several times with other competitors of SpaceX uh, launching on SpaceX rockets. So uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the first month of the year kind of runs the gamut of uh, all types of missions, crew, cargo, Starlink, uh, communication satellite for Sweden. And uh, they're going to pick up again uh, this month with a couple of missions, uh, a mission for NASA coming up on February the 6th, a uh, climate research mission for NASA they're going to be launching from Florida, and then more Starlink missions as well on top of that uh, throughout the rest of the month. Yeah, it's just absolutely groundbreaking. And, and you and I have talked about this before, but it's worth noting. If you went back, say, 15 years ago and told anybody in this business – in the space flight business, anywhere in the world, uh, government, uh, contractors, etc., and said they would be doing what they're doing today in in 
late 2023, early 2024, and the cadence and the reusability and bringing back the first stages and quickly refurbing those and launching those again. Nobody would have believed that. You're right, Steve. And, and I think, you know, what SpaceX is doing right now has always been a dream of a lot of engineers at NASA and other companies, but they didn't have the resources and the will and to go after reusability and uh, increasing a launch cadence to this degree. Like 15 years ago, there were uh, maybe a dozen launches a year from, uh, from U.S. launch sites from Florida, California, uh, spaceports. Uh, last year, there were more than 100 from both spaceports. This year, uh, could be approaching 200 almost from both spaceports this year. Yeah. Uh, when you combine uh, what SpaceX and other companies may be doing. Um, so it's really an incredible uh, increase the the ramp up of launch cadence has been bewildering to watch really because I first started covering space about 15 years ago full time and there was like a launch a month now you know you can get uh, a year's worth of launches uh, in less than a month in many cases so yeah. it is it is really um, really impressive to watch and you know SpaceX has been at the vanguard of this and there are a host of companies with very capable of engineers and plans to uh, to try to replicate and uh, what SpaceX is doing to, you know, instill some uh, more competition in the launch market. And, uh, you know, I think the question is they're chasing a moving target because SpaceX is moving so fast with Falcon 9. And we can talk about Starship in a moment, but that's the next um, frontier for SpaceX. And, uh, you know, if these competitors get to a Falcon 9 light capability in a few years' time, well, SpaceX will have already eclipsed that with Starship. Yeah, and that, that gets into the, the fully reusable. Um, there, there's still the second stage and, and other parts that, you know, every time they launch are are junk. You know, they're, they're, they're disposable. But, but still, to be able to recover what they have been able to, that, that first stage of the Falcon 9 and those nine rocket engines, I, I think one booster reached 19 launches before it was lost after landing, um, mm-hmm. tipped over on a barge, etc., cetera, is, is really extraordinary. But Starship is that next leap because this system ideally will be fully reusable like an airliner. Right, right. So, the, yeah, it's the Falcon 9, the first stage is recoverable, reusable. The upper stage is still expendable. And it's not just the leap also from, you know, from partial to full reusability. It's also the leap in uh, mass to orbit. And uh, the Falcon 9 can lift on the order of 20 to 25 tons um, to low Earth orbit if, if they fully expend it. You know, you have to reserve some fuel, some fuel in the booster to get it back to land safely. And that uh, cuts into your payload lift capability. But the Starship is so big. Uh, it'll be lifting on the order of uh, more than 100 metric tons. There are plans to upgrade that to approaching 200 tons uh, down the road. So it's a, a massive, literally a massive increase in lift capability to orbit, also fully reusable. So uh, it's going to be cheaper to operate than the Falcon 9 if, if SpaceX's plans come to fruition. And it will be a much more capable rocket, and all that will result in one measurement that uh, a lot of people use, economists use in space flight is cost per pound or cost per kilogram to orbit. And uh, right now with Falcon 9, it's, uh, I'd have to go back and look, but it's in the 
couple thousand dollars per kilogram uh, to orbit uh, area. And uh, Starship, if it's uh, as successful as SpaceX plans and hopes it will be, that will bring it down into the you know into the uh, low hundreds of dollars yeah. per kilogram to orbit. Extraordinary. All right, final thought before we let you go, and we do appreciate your time, Stephen, as always. When are we going to see another test launch? Because it sounds in in the analysis that they came very close to reaching their goals um, of getting the upper stage or starship uh, almost all the way around and land it near Hawaii, that that they're close. When are we going to see another launch? Yep, that, that's, that's my understanding as well, is they got very close. Uh, in fact, the starship upper stage... If it had burned its engine, engines for a minute longer, it would have it would have achieved uh, all of those goals. Uh, but there was some kind of uh, uh, a fire that broke out uh, on the uh, Starship in the latter phase of the flight. Uh, but you know, the first flight of the Starship full-size rocket last year uh, did a lot of damage to the launch pad. There was a lot of rework and redesign that had to happen. This time, not so much. So, I think right now it's uh, really a, a paperwork. Thing. Uh, SpaceX needs to finalize. I have not heard any news that they've actually com- formally completed their investigation. SpaceX investigates uh, as long as there's no uh, death or damage to a third-party property or people. Uh, the operator, in this case SpaceX, uh, has the authority to investigate its own mishaps, and they have to complete that investigation, send a report to the Federal Aviation Administration, and the FAA reviews that and signs off on it, then we'll issue a launch license to SpaceX to do a third Starship flight. Um, I haven't heard any. Uh, I don't think SpaceX has submitted that report yet to, to the FAA. So once that is in the hands of the FAA, FAA, then it's a purely regulatory exercise to get approval to launch the third Starship. Wow. So if you had me predict when that might be, I still think there's a chance it could happen this month. That There's a chance it could happen in March. I don't foresee it hap- taking another two or three months. I, I, if I had to put money on it, I would bet it would still happen in February or March. All right. We'll keep our fingers crossed because it is uh, quite a sight. Uh, I've heard it's just absolutely incredible uh, in person, but uh, even from afar, it's it's pretty amazing to see really what amounts to be a, a, a fairly large building lift off and yeah. uh, head for space. Yeah, it's a 40-story tall building. Think of it that way, Um, (laughs) lifting off and going to space. It's incredible to see. Yeah, so if you're near downtown Minneapolis, imagine uh, one of of those larger buildings downtown. uh, uh, Leave ground and and head for orbit. Well, Stephen, always good to visit with you. And once again, they can follow your work at arstechnica.com. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. Stephen Clark. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.